the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by the Federation for American Immigration Reform and George Rodriguez on 930 AM, The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. Welcome to our show on this Saturday, December the 9th, 2023. Welcome, my friends. We've got a great lineup as usual. We uh, have um, four guests, and uh, all of them have um, a lot of stuff to tell you regarding what is going on in Washington, D.C., as well as what is going on at the border itself with regards to to the border crisis, my friends. The border crisis continues to get worse. I didn't think it would. I mean, I've been reporting on the uh, border crisis on podcasts uh, and the radio for, gosh, it's been at least eight years now, maybe more. And um, it, uh, it, I mean, it has continually gone downhill. I never thought we would reach this point where literally the invasion is happening daily. Thousands of people are now crossing. Thousands. So, let me tell you real quick uh, so we can get to our program who our uh, guests are. But first of all, let me thank our sponsor, FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform, who makes our show possible. Please go to FAIR.org uh, and uh, contribute Look at uh, the website. Look at uh, updates of what is happening. They are the fair is the foremost uh, authority on immigration and the border crisis, my friends. So, uh, who are are our guests? Well, first of all, we've got Mr. Randy Clark, uh, border. He is a Breitbart reporter. He's going to be talking to us about what's happening in uh, in in uh, Arizona. Then we've got Mr. Chris Hayek, who is an attorney with the Immigration Reform Law Institute in D.C. He's going to be telling us about the um, this lawsuit that uh, the state of Texas has just uh, won regarding the situation with uh, the wire and the the Boyds uh, in the water. That one uh, was lost. That one is uh, is one where uh, uh, the Immigration Reform Law Institute is working on. Uh, then we have Mr. Wade Miller. Wade Miller is the executive director for Citizens for Renewing America. They are one of the lobbying groups in D.C. who is working very, very hard uh, on the issue of uh, border control and immigration reform. Uh, he's going to give you an earful about what is happening in D.C. And then we've got Mr. Mark Morgan, who is a senior fellow uh, with FAIR in D.C. He's going to be giving you exactly what is happening, my friends, the exact details of what is happening in D.C. with the uh, politics. Uh, as you all know, uh, there is discussion about funding um, the war in Israel, funding support for Israel, funding support for Ukraine. Uh, and at the same time, they uh, the Democrats want amnesty uh, and more money for the uh, nonprofit organizations that are helping to uh, facilitate illegal immigration. So Mark is going to be chatting with you, giving us the details of what is happening. So, my friends, once again, welcome to the program. Sit back, call your friends, tell them all about it. Let's go to our first guest. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got our good friend, Mr. Randy Clark, uh, with Breitbart. He uh, usually speaks to us, gives us reports from the Del Rio Eagle Pass area. But today, he is speaking to us from the Arizona-Mexico border. And uh, lots is happening there. Randy, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking time to be with us. 
Oh, you got it, George. Great to be with you. All right. So tell us, uh, what is going on at the Arizona-Mexican uh, border? Well, we, we've seen a surge uh, in, in recent days and weeks of mostly migrants from outside our hemisphere uh, arriving in Lukeville. We've also seen uh, migrants coming far, further to the east, which would be in a little town called San Miguel, Arizona, on the Tejon Odom reservation so th- there's different demographics here the lukeville situation is very unique it's mostly uh north african migrants from senegal uh middle eastern migrants uh people from the people's republic of china uh in one group that i observed of more than 400 there were less than 30 spanish-speaking migrants most of them are from far outside the hemisphere wow now how are they arriving in our hemisphere or in Mexico more specifically? How are they getting here? Do you any idea of what, what how these people are are arriving or getting up here, over here? Yes, they're they're taking advantage of, of countries who have loose visa entry requirements, and a lot of them are are moving from their home country uh, into Turkey into Ecuador, and then they're making the walk through Panama and the Darien Gap like it, like most of the others that we see coming from outside the hemisphere. And they're arriving in Mexico through Tapachula, and then they are just taking a host of different methods of transportation to get here, trains, buses, cars. With this demographic uh, of migrants, uh, highly profitable to the cartels. In fact, there's a waging battle going on in Sonora, Mexico, between the cartels just to handle this demographic of migrants because their smuggling fees are coordinated from the time that they leave all the way into Mexico and it's very lucrative. They're spending tens of thousands to get to the border whereas many of, uh, of the migrants that we see in South Texas arriving they are penniless when they get there. They've been extorted in Tapachula. They were not of, of, of high means before they left their home country. This is, this is a different demographic. We know that there are some on the terror watch list, uh, a select few, but we also don't know much about the rest that are coming in. There's there's very uh, little time for debriefing. The language barrier is a significant obstacle to overcome for the border patrol because they can't even communicate in the field basic information. Uh, it's very difficult in the process uh, once they get them into formal custody because they're detaining at times uh, 600 to 1,000 outdoors along the border wall. They're stripping that national uh, forest there, the Oregon Pipe National Monument of all the scrub brush, which is a federal offense. They're making fires all night and they basically turned it into an outdoor toilet because there's no facilities for them. Some have stayed outside for two, three days. Wow. Now, you uh, are a former, uh, a retired uh, Border Patrol uh, agent. How are these people being processed now versus how they used to be when you were when you were uh, an agent? Well, the, the process is still the same. We had more removal mechanisms under the prior administration. Yeah, I, guess, I guess that's the and difference, it, the removal process. Yeah, it's the removal pro- part. Yeah. The processing part, you know, we still have Title Eight of the immigration law, but, but we did away with, when this administration came into office, most of the quick, speedy removal mechanisms that were put in place to make sure the asylum system wasn't abused. Those are gone now. Many of these migrants that I talked to at the shelters that get released, they're not even asked if they have a fear returning to their country because it doesn't matter matter there's no mechanism to remove them and the border patrol agents are frustrated it's just get them out the door we're facing a level of overcrowding right now in the border patrol not only here in arizona but also in the del rio sector you can read shortly on breitbart about how eagle pass has 1250 detained outdoors near the port of entry in eagle pass their facilities are holding 5,000 migrants right now, and there is no more room at the end. They're holding them outdoors in several places. Their only processing center, designed to hold 1,000, is holding over 4,000 there alone. So this surge hitting two sectors, which is Tucson, where I'm at, and Del Rio sector, is you know another anomaly in this evolving border crisis situation under this administration that I haven't seen since I came in under the Reagan administration. This has never happened before. For those that aren't following the border, there is a difference. Wow. It, it is. Uh, now, um, are, are, are the nonprofit organizations, the NGOs, 
uh, like Catholic Charities? Are they as active there in um, in Arizona as they are here in Texas? Uh, yes, they are. In fact, I was at uh, the Catholic Charity Shelter here, uh, known as Las Alitas, is the is the name of the shelter. A constant, steady stream of vans and buses coming from these border patrol processing facilities and releasing right into there, and it, it's just part of the food chain. As they arrive, you see them go into the shelter, just like you've observed in San Antonio, but you also see commercial buses picking them up to take them to either the airport to fly out of Tucson or to other parts of the country via bus. Uh, so it's the same cycle that you're seeing in South Texas. It's just a different demographic. You do have some of the Venezuelans, Central Americans, uh, even some from Mexico being released, claiming credible fear. Uh, and then you have those from outside the hemisphere that we're seeing in Lukeville getting released also. So it is just a cycle of catch and release. In fact, if you look at CBP's stats for October of 188,000 that the Border Patrol was charged with conducting removals on, 120,000 were released on their own recognizance. That's 65%. Those are pretty good odds of getting released into the United States, especially when you consider the demographics of those that were expelled from the country were mostly Mexicans and Central Americans. So if you're from Venezuela, if you're from Colombia, if you're from Cuba, if you're from Senegal, South Africa, the Middle East, China, you are going to get released almost 100% of the time. Wow. Now, why is it why is Arizona become so so uh, popular, so busy now versus well, right next door, California or even New Mexico? Well, there there are several routes. Uh, you know, when you get into central Mexico, you, you come to these decision points where those trains and the buses take you to different locations. These folks that made arrangements in uh, mainland China, in Senegal, in other African countries, those smugglers have contacts in all different parts of the world. They, these folks don't come blindly and get to Turkey and wonder, where do I go next? When they hit a transportation hub, there is an operative within that smuggling organization waiting for them that takes them to a hotel or takes them to a stash house and then moves them safely on and gets them on a plane to go to Ecuador, let's say. Once they get there, it's the same thing. Another operative, same smuggling organization, different nationality. They're international crime organizations. So they move them the route that the smuggling organization chooses. So those that get to Sonora in Mexico that bypass South Texas, it's that cartel. In this case, the Los Chapitos get in there with the Sinaloa cartel and they're, they're controlling some of Sonora, but they're battling with other cartels also because of how lucrative it is. But it's controlled from the moment they leave their home country. Wow. And, and uh, you know, the, the physical condition, again, of these people, we know that they're not being vetted uh, uh, very much, if at all, as far as their their backgrounds, their criminal backgrounds go. What about the health issues? Well, you know, the mornings that I have been out there, this is a desert environment, and that makes one think that it's awfully warm and comfortable, and it really isn't. Uh, once the sun goes down here, that temperature drops. Just uh, the other morning, it was 29 degrees out here. It was below freezing around San Miguel, Arizona. And at Lukeville, it was probably 40 degrees. So just above freezing once the sun comes up. Uh, these folks have been out there for four days. There are, there's no hygiene. There, there, there's some water being provided, some snacks from uh, outside entities being brought in because they basically are being watched by a handful of Border Patrol agents, some of them the Bortac agents that you see around the country chasing fugitives and helping out with other uh, serious issues going on along the border. They're, they're being put to babysit these migrants to try and keep some order because they want out of there. They're uncomfortable. Uh, there's no blankets or beds. Uh, they have clothing that isn't suitable for winter weather. Uh, and then it does warm up in the afternoons. So that's not good for, for hygiene. It's not good for health. Uh, if there is a communicable disease out there, it's going to spread. There's no doubt about it. Now, well, you you mentioned that uh, the uh, there are no uh, toilet facilities, no. Uh, so if, if they're defecating out in the, you know, in in, in the desert there in the area, uh, where are the environmentalists? Um, I mean, it would seem like the uh, the uh, Indian reservation there, the uh, 
Indian uh, leaders would be upset uh, about that. Well, so the ones that are being held near Lukeville, they have a rally point that they bring the migrants to where the buses pick them up, and there's a few porta potties there. But that's not where the the almost one thousand are being, you know, left to wait for their turn to get to that rally point. At that spot, there, there are no facilities, and you're right, the, the environmentalists are nowhere to be found. But on that march of over a mile to get to the rally point. It is littered, that Oregon Pipe National Monument is littered with clothing, articles, diapers, uh, general debris, plastic water bottles, uh, the entire roadway. And I've worked some of these areas in the Border Patrol that are controlled by either the Forest Service or by the Bureau of Land Management. And they're very strict on getting off-road. They're very strict on any damages to cactuses or horn toad lizards or what have you. And there's there's not a peep. I don't run across a single the Sierra forest Club. ranger the out there. The Sierra Club. Yeah, n- nobody seems to be concerned. Uh, it's just just migrants. That's what everybody seems to be thinking as well. It's just migrants. Uh, let them strip some of the bushes down there and make fires. And <laughs> if they leave garbage, that's fine. Uh, it's it's rules for thee and not for me. Exactly. Wow. Uh, in in conclusion, what uh, what message do you have for us after watching and being there? Well, you know, I, I I think I'm very fearful. We we need to do something. You know, regardless of how you feel about immigration, uh, this is an issue that a lack of control is not a good thing. Uh, if you see what's going on in Eagle Pass and you get beyond the fact, uh, you know, that there's thousands crossing a day, and you look at the deaths that are occurring in that river, and then you go stand out there in the cold and you watch these migrants stand out there with no food and very little hygiene. Uh, opportunities to wash hands and stuff like that. That's no way to live. This this shouldn't be the America that somebody finds uh, when they get here from another country. They're finding what they left. And that's sad because they're finding the streets in Chicago. They're finding the streets now in New York. Uh, they're not welcome in many parts. And people are even, even the Democrats are moving them, trying to move them to other cities. They're not finding the welcome ad anymore. We need to get serious as a country about immigration and control it and decide who and how many people we can afford to let in and for what purpose. That's what the laws are there for. We've got to get back to that point or the chaos that we're going to live for decades to come because of this open borders over the last three years is going to, to give us a bill that we may not be prepared to pay. You got it, buddy. Once again, my friends, we've been speaking with my good friend Randy Clark, a reporter with Breitbart, who is reporting today from, from Arizona. Thank you very, very much, Randy, for being with us. Be safe, my friend. Thank you, George. Have a wonderful day. You too. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got our good friend, Mr. Chris Hayek, uh, who is with the uh, Immigration Reform Law Institute in Washington, D.C. We here in in uh, San Antonio, or in Texas, should I say, uh, are having this invasion. I don't know what else we can call it. A, uh, a, a From, from uh, the open border. And we've got uh, the state of Texas attorney general and um, the state has tried to um, address the issue through the courts to try to get the, the uh, Biden administration to do so, to do something about it. Uh, I wanted to ask Chris about a case that um, is in the courts right now regarding our state. Chris, welcome to the, to the show. Thank you, for, as usual, to be with, for being with us. Thank you, George. Um, all right, so please uh, tell us about this court case involving Texas. Well, this, this case will really decide whether Texas has the ability to step in and solve this border crisis uh, that the federal government refuses to do anything about. Uh, the case involves uh, what could be called the state self-defense clause of the Constitution. It allows states to wage war if they've been actually invaded. And uh, that's really all it says. And uh, so so the question in the case, well, the the facts of the case are that um, Governor Abbott is beginning to wage war, and uh, as part of that effort, he put up floating barriers in the Rio Grande to stop uh, illegal aliens from crossing. 
and the Biden administration sued to get an injunction to, to take down the barriers because they violate the Rivers and Harbors Act of 1899 and uh, by impeding navigation on the Rio Grande, uh, according to the government. So uh, there are two issues here. One is Texas uh, violating the statute. And second issue is even if they are, do they have the right to do that under the Constitution because they have a right to defend themselves? And uh, we submitted an amicus brief arguing that uh, even if it violates the law, they have uh, the right to do this under the Constitution. And basically we argue the court should step out of this, whether Texas has been invaded and whether it's uh, uh, chosen means of self-defense are appropriate are both non-justiciable political questions that courts stay out of. Um, Courts are not the appropriate place to be deciding war. Now, the very interesting thing is also, would this? Uh, we know that they're talking about the the barriers which are in the water in the Rio Grande. Um, yeah. But uh, what about the Constantina wire that has been placed uh, by right, the well, governor? That, yeah, yeah, no one's suing over that. Uh, what they're doing there is what the administration is doing there is cutting the wire, and so Texas sued them uh, on a. They, they haven't brought up the self defense clause in that case. Yeah, but uh, they're they're claiming trespass to chattels. You know, the the federal government's trespassing and destroying Texas property hmm. by cutting the wire. And uh, they, yeah, that that's another case. Uh, the the one with the barriers, it, the the uh, self defense issue is in play. And then the district court, uh, and this is a Reagan appointed judge who did this, uh, granted the pl- a preliminary injunction. Uh, rejected our argument and I think uh, totally mischaracterized our argument very badly in its opinion and um, so Texas appealed to the Fifth Circuit the Fifth Circuit just uh, last week uh, upheld the injunction but it it, it, uh, it said that the, the issue of uh, whether Texas had a right, right to do this in its self-defense under the Constitution uh, is something the district court should decide again uh, on a full record. So it sent that issue back down. It did not decide that. It only decided that they violated the statute and uh, leaving the issue of whether they had a right to do that uh, uh, still to be decided. Uh, so, Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So we're going to go back down and argue that in the district court and then uh, no doubt on appeal again. If you had a crystal ball, Chris, where do you think this will eventually... Will it go eventually to the Supreme Court? And if it does, what do you think will happen i think it's so new and untraveled an area that um if the fifth i don't think the supreme court my guess is the supreme court would not take it up uh unless they just thought that the fifth circuit got it egregiously wrong um they would wait for a circuit split they would wait for another circuit to decide differently from the fifth circuit uh unless again they just thought that the fifth circuit was completely wrong and how the supreme court would, would rule it's uh Maybe it'd be a case like Heller, which, which, which uh, for the first time recognized an individual right to keep and bear arms. That had never been looked at by the Supreme Court before, so they just went to the Constitution and uh, started interpreting it, and they came up with what I think is the right answer, that it, the, the Second Amendment does protect that right. And uh, likewise, it says quite clearly in the Constitution that um, uh, states can defend themselves if they're actually invaded. And... Um, and I think it's quite uh, defensible that this is not something court should be deciding, that a a state validly invokes this clause uh, when it says it's been invaded and uses whatever means it uses to uh, defend itself. And and courts uh, uh, can't second-guess those decisions. It is really, really, I guess, the question... Uh, overall, is what is really perplexing because I, we've never had a situation where the federal government refuses to stop an invasion, stop illegal entry, uh, protect a state. Uh, I mean, I, today is December 7th. I cannot imagine yeah. the state of Hawaii being attacked and the federal government not responding. Um, right. I, it yeah, I mean, the, amazing. Yeah, the federal government has a duty in the Constitution to defend defend the states against invasion. 
And back in the 90s, believe it or not, states like uh, Illinois and New York sued the federal government because they, they were letting uh, illegal aliens invade their state. And the court said, oh, no, that's not justiciable. That's for the federal government to decide whether states have been invaded. So by, by the same token, it should be Texas's decision here whether Texas has been invaded and uh, not a court's decision. And uh, I mean, it's uh, it's just weird to decide a war in a courtroom. It's never happened. I mean, you know, you don't have courts enjoining wars and deciding what means of waging war are acceptable and so forth. And, yeah. and, and the Constitution explicitly gives these war powers to states in those circumstances. I mean, it's... It's just never happened before uh, that a state's had to invoke this. Yeah, welcome to uh, the 21st century and <laughs> and, and, and uh, Democrat liberal leftist Democrats. Uh, I, it's amazing to me. Chris, thank you very, very much for taking time to be with us, buddy. Tell the folks where yeah, they can bet. follow follow uh, the uh, Immigration Reform Law Institute. Yes, at um, <clears throat> irli.org. You got it. And, uh, folks, you can uh, support uh, early at that point at that uh, site as well. Thank you once again, Chris. Have a good one. Thank thank you. Bye. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, and we've got our good friend, Mr. Wade Miller, the Executive Director for Citizens for Renewing America in Washington, D.C., and uh, I wanted to get him on, my friends, because uh, he is, uh, his organization and him are like watchdogs on what is going on in Congress and in Washington, uh, well, and also uh, in the States as what is going on regarding the issue of addressing the border crisis. Wade, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking time to be with us, buddy. Thank you so much for having me on. It's good to talk to you again. Um, Wade, all right. So uh, this uh, weekend, in fact, today even, we, uh, and today, by today, I mean uh, on December the 6th, Wednesday, the December the 6th, uh, 2023, we are watching hordes, that's the word I will use, a tsunami of people crossing the border, and um, we are, we're just helpless, it looks like, to stop it. Uh, what is going on in Washington, D.C., with any efforts to fund uh, a way to stop the border crisis? Sure, so, you know, there's what the federal government can do and there's of course what states can do and either one of those entities could put an end to this uh you know at least within their own uh, purview of their own borders uh but at the federal level so the house of representatives passed a a, probably the best border security bill that has ever passed congress it's hr2 that was the house of representatives uh it is sitting in the senate right now of course it's gone nowhere because the senate uh is led by democrats and the white house is of course uh joe biden uh, and so right now, uh, Democrats in the Senate are trying to figure out how to get Ukraine funding supplemental going. But they, I think, realize that Republicans have a pretty good talking point against that, which is why are we funding other countries' borders before we secure our own? And so uh, out of that, what's happened is uh, Chuck Schumer is working on a border security deal with Mitch McConnell and Republicans. And what that looks like is, it's tough to say, there's, you know, we have to go off of reporting because they're doing all of this behind closed doors. And essentially, it's really just Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer figuring out what they agreed to. Um, <clears throat> but the, the, the tenets of this deal are bad. And, and why Mitch McConnell is doing this it makes no sense to me, uh, unless you just accept the fact that Mitch McConnell is not really there to help uh, prioritize the Republican agenda. He's there to consolidate power in his own position uh, and, and to reward the people that are uh, loyal to him and him alone. And, and it's certainly not to help the American people and, uh, or Republicans uh, against Democrats. And so they're coming up with this really bad border security bill. We can go over what would look like, uh, probably be in there and what's not in there, most notably, uh, in exchange for Ukraine funding. And then even just this morning, um, 
Chuck Schumer was saying that he's told Mitch McConnell that if they vote to pass the Ukraine uh, supplemental funding bill, Chuck Schumer will allow any border security vote that they want in the Senate as a standalone vote, which means it's still going to lose because you'll have at least five Republicans who are fine with open borders and don't agree with uh, border security, and all Democrats will vote against it. So whatever they put forward, if it's good, uh, will actually uh, be lost, and then you still would have passed uh, Ukraine funding, and what will happen is, as a standalone bill, that will go to the House. Now, I think the House is in a good position to stop it, but there's the usual games are going on here, and you have Republicans like Lankford uh, and others who are, you know, quote-unquote, leading this effort, and they do not understand what it's going to take to secure the border, and they're just fooling themselves that uh, that uh, they can actually make a good deal with Democrats. Instead, they should stop all of these conversations and allow the House to lead, uh, allow the House to dictate the terms of the fight and what leverage points are going to be used, and to make sure that the uh, HR2 is the standard by which any deal that moves forward must uh, uh, abide by. Now, can you tell us a few of the high points of HR2? why it would be so good. Well, yeah, so it, you can have all the border walls you want. You can have all the agents you want. You can uh, have all the facilities along the border that you want. And, of course, I think we need more of all of those things. But if you don't have the right policies, it just doesn't matter. So, for instance, there's all kinds of asylum abuses. In fact, there ins- these people coming across our border, invading our country, are instructed on how to uh, pass the reasonable fear standard, which is a very low bar. And so they're all de facto given an asylum status pending an asylum hearing later on, which 90% of them plus never actually go to. Uh, and and it's really hard to determine a lot of these instances, and you have a lot of these courts that are just deferential to these claims anyways, even when they're not legitimate asylum claims. And so you have massive uh, asylum uh, loopholes that are being exploited. Um, we, you know, we don't have these safe third country policies that are really being reinforced. So, for instance, let's say you live in North Korea and you are credibly being uh, persecuted and, and that you believe in human liberty and as such being outspoken about it, the government of North Korea is going to murder you. So you flee with your family. And let's say that you go to Japan and then you go from Japan to the United States. Our laws should dictate that Japan is a safe place. They should claim asylum in Japan, not come to the United States to claim asylum or and to put forward that claim. And that's just not enforced. And so a lot of people are coming from South America that are passing through legitimately, in some instances, dozens of safe third countries where they could claim asylum if they're truly being persecuted under what we recognize as legitimate asylum claims. Uh, and that's just not being done. And we're also not really enforcing catch and release. As, as you know, uh, they get their initial uh, uh, you know, hearing. They're, they're detained. Uh, they fill out their paperwork. And then they're just released after uh, usually within a few days. Um, you know, uh, failing to repatriate unaccompanied uh, children. All of these things are addressed in HR2, going after uh, corrupt NGOs that are essentially using um, – uh, in many instances, government grants to assist in the human trafficking uh, uh, supply chain. And it goes on and on. But HR2 would fundamentally solve most of the loophole problems. And even if you're a president who disagrees with securing the border, as Biden is, it becomes legally very difficult for him to not secure the border uh, at that point. And, and, and then I think so it's a good bill. Gotcha. Now, what do you think the states should be doing? For example, Texas and Arizona, what should they be doing um, in, in, in a vacuum uh, of uh, in absence, should I say, of the federal government doing anything? Well, first, uh, I wouldn't say foremost, but first, you know, uh, Arizona v. U.S. Uh, or U.S. v. Arizona was decided wrongly, and that basically said that states really had no say in how immigration laws are enforced on their borders. It's a little bit more complicated than that. But basically, if a state tries to enforce federal law, not invent new law, but just say, look, federal law says this, our state agents are going to help in enforcing those rules, the federal courts have said essentially they can't do it if the, if the federal government isn't allowing it. 
Um, and of course, the federal government under uh, the Biden administration certainly isn't allowing it. I think that was badly decided. I think that needs to be challenged. So I think that Governor Abbott should be seeking to get standing to challenge that and, and reverse that. But more importantly, so like I said, anything immigration law related, the courts have essentially said that states don't have any say in that. So what's the solution to that? Well, step outside of that silo and find other means by which to do the same thing. So uh, one novel concept has been public health uh, laws. Use uh, uh, some of the public health uh, uh, rules that we use during COVID at the state level to uh, essentially secure the border. And then the one that I like the most is the constitutional remedy, which is Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3, to declare an invasion or an imminent danger and to then go forward and fully secure the border, which means you physically take the people who are invading your country. Uh, you can do a wellness check, make sure that you know they're not uh, about to die of, of uh, uh, exposure to the environment. Give them uh, food and water, but then, you know, rather quickly take them right back across the river uh, under this constitutional power. And remember, U.S. v. Arizona does not apply here because the state is not then acting under immigration authorities. The state is acting under a constitutional, U.S. constitutional authority, which grants the states the power, the chief executive of a state, the governor, Governor Abbott, the power to unilaterally make the decisions necessary to secure the state from imminent danger or an invasion. And this does not have to be just like a foreign army. This can be large groups of people coming across the border. Certainly, um, some of the founders thought that this power existed to quell uh, smuggling efforts. Um, Sam Houston thought that this would be, uh, uh, this power was appropriate in order to uh, stop cross-border Mexican bandits. And I would say that cartels are worse than smugglers and worse than cross-border Mexican bandits. This, I think it definitely elevates to the ability where a state can say, the people of our state, Texas, are in imminent danger from ongoing cartel activities, whether that be uh, violence, whether that be fentanyl, uh, whether that be an infusion of people who are uh, uh, upsetting, you know, the ability of, of, of communities to administer to their own programs, whether that be hospitals, schools, etc., uh, using it, just quite literally defining it as an unwanted intrusion on another's domain. So invasion is very broadly defined. Uh, there's no limitation on how you define invasion in the Constitution. So why why aren't states more aggressively doing this? Uh, and I think that's a question for Greg Abbott. I mean, he sh- he could secure the, the borders of Texas. Now, the one legitimate pushback that he could say is, I don't have enough people to do this. And that's that's probably correct. He does need more state agents, uh, more DPS agents. And in fact, there was an attempt to start providing that to him in the Texas legislature this year, uh, a bill by Matt Schaefer, uh, and also some a bill by Br- uh, Brian Harrison, two different attempts to help secure the border. Dave Phelan used an, uh, a Democrat parliamentarian to kill those bills at the last minute after signaling to them the whole session that the, that they were going ha- that he was on their side in getting those bills passed. Turns out he just wanted to keep uh, uh, conservatives on the sidelines by promising them things at the end of the rainbow and then backstabbing them and killing all of the border security legislation, which would have started the initial steps of creating an actual force that then uh, Governor Abbott could rely upon to more broadly secure the border. That's right. all Dave Phelan. He killed that. Yep. Um, we're going to have to let you go, but um, bottom line is that the federal government and the state government are not doing enough, and in the meantime, every th- everybody's coming across the border, correct? I mean, we, that's, that's we, correct. Is that the best assessment we've got. That is correct. Until uh, Governor Abbott and or Joe Biden do their jobs, that, that will continue to happen. Oh, my gosh. We want to thank you for uh, for taking time to be with us again, my friends. We've been speaking with our good friend, Mr. Wade Miller, with the uh, he's the executive director of Citizens for uh, Renewing America. Wade, keep up the good work, and we'll be back in touch with you to uh, follow up some more. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Good talk. Once to again, you. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. And we've got uh, my good friend, Mr. Mark Morgan, 
former director of, uh, of ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, as well as um, uh, Customs and Border uh, Protection, CBP. He is now a senior fellow and spokesperson for uh, FAIR, our sponsor, the Federation for American Immigration Reform. So we want to welcome uh, him. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking time to be with us, buddy. George, thanks for having me, my friend. All right, so let me ask you, here we are uh, in December, and uh, we're, I'm not sure if Congress is going to be uh, leaving or how soon they're going to be leaving for the Christmas holidays. Uh, they have uh, been discussing about the shutting down or not shutting down a, a bill to keep, it op- keep the government open. In the meantime, what's uh, Congress going to do about funding the border crisis? Yeah, I'll tell you, uh, 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 George, that's the question. And and I, I hope, but I'm doubtful as, as I'm hearing more and more that's being leaked out from these so-called negotiations. On the House side, they seem to be much more together and united uh, with respect to the conservative front, uh, with respect to what needs to be done. And what needs to be done is HR2. For your listeners, the, you and I have talked about this before, but that is the single strongest piece of border security legislation that's ever been passed in a single chamber of, of, of the, the House uh, or, or, or Congress, uh, really in our lifetime. And ironically, George, I don't think it goes far enough, but having said that, it's still the strongest piece. And all but one senator voted for it this year. And so now we're coming to negotiations. As, as this administration wants to give $62 billion to Ukraine, what, what we're asking for is, how about you say, show the same interest and the same commitment to securing our own borders? But right now, what we have is Senate Republicans, George, they're negotiating with themselves. What we're hearing back is they're trying to walk it back and water down H.R. 2. We have a, a Democrat Senator Chuck Schumer that's been out there. These are his words that, that the, the Republicans won't meet us halfway. Let me ask you, what is halfway to stopping the complete lawlessness and chaos at our southern border. We know that, that drugs are pouring into our border, killing Americans, criminals, murderers, rapists, pedophiles, aggravated felons, gang members, as well as national security threats. We're literally handing operational control of our southwest border to the cartels. You tell me, what is halfway to doing our job to enforce the law and protecting our nation's safety and national security? No, this is the time that Republicans have to stay strong, and right now, our halfway is HR2. Now, one of the things that I've also heard is that um, they are asking for amnesty. And I mean, again, we've had amnesty. We had an amnesty in 1986, which, by the way, I fought like crazy when I was uh, in the Reagan administration. And all it did was encourage more illegal immigration because we are we, we were rewarded. We rewarded with amnesty. Are they That's right. talking about another amnesty? Of course they are, and that's what tells. That's what should wake up this entire country that they are not. They are not serious about actually doing what it takes to secure our border. Again, what's happening our borders, George? You know this. This is not about immigration. That's the big lie. That's the false narrative. Because if they can make it about immigration, and you're against what's happening on our border, that means you're against immigration. If you're against immigration, that means you're a racist, right? That's not what this is about. This is about border security, which is synonymous with national security. The other big lie that they're wanting to, that they're putting out there right now well, well no we are we're giving we're giving 14 billion dollars to border security George, it's a lie. That funding will not go towards actual meaningful border security. They're talking about, oh, well, we want to put 2,000 more agents on the line. And they're trying to lie to the American people and do a, a bait and switch. All those 2,000 more agents would do with the current policies is just equate to more effective and faster catch and release. The other thing that they're saying right now, which is infuriating to me, it's an absolute lie. They're trying to say that Republicans are trying to uh, eliminate asylum for those with merit. Merit, uh, meritless claims or, or merit-based claims. That's a lie. That's not what the Republicans are doing. That's not what HR2 does. HR2 is just to get people to enforce the law, to to uh, uh, to, to modify and, and address the asylum abuse that happens. We know the overwhelming majority of those illegal entering, their asylum claims are false. We're trying to end catch and release. And, and, and we're trying to implement the safe third countries. All that stuff that's already on the books and it's lawful to try to stop and deter what's happening that's the truth about what's happening wow now tell us about the numbers for this past year fy fiscal year 2023 that just ended 
what are the numbers like of encounters of people who were encountered at the border? Yeah, so this is so important because, George, I, I, I really appreciate you keep asking about the numbers because to a certain degree, unfortunately, we've become numb to the numbers because they're so catastrophic. In the first year, fiscal year of this administration, they set an all-time record, all total nationwide encounters, 1.9 million. Everybody's, oh, this is a crisis. This is out of control. The lawlessness. It's the worst in our history in 100 years of keeping data. And then what happened in FY22? They beat it. They beat it with 2.7. And this past year, they beat it again with 3.1 plus total nationwide encounters. George, now this is 3.1 million. 3.1 million. million people. Oh, my That's right. gosh. That's right. Right now, right now. So that, that, that puts the grand total in the first 36, 37 months of this administration at over 8 million total nationwide encounters. George, there are like 20 states, 20, 25 states whose total population is less than that. And then when you add on the 1.7 million known gotaways, plus we know that's underreported by 20 percent. George, in the past 36, 37 months, we've had over 10 million individuals come to our borders. 10 million. I think there's like 35, 36 states in our country's population doesn't have 10 million. That's where we're at. That's why we keep saying there's no country in the face of the planet can sustain that. And keep in mind, remember, when agents are pulled off the line to some areas, 80, 95 percent of agents are not aligned because they're processing those have illegally entered. The border is wide open. That's when the cartels exploited to push drugs, criminals and national security threats. That's why we say illegal immigration is not a victimless crime. So what we're trying to do with H.R. 2 is, is close the loopholes in our asylum laws. We're trying to actually in catch and release, stop the lawlessness and the chaos, and give the border patrol agents a fighting chance to reduce the number of drugs, criminals, and national security threats coming in. That's what HR2 does. You know, I, I really don't understand why Republican uh, senators uh, want to water it down. I don't, I mean, uh, especially here in Texas, uh, you know, or in Arizona, for crying out loud. I mean, they, they've got to be able to see what's going on. Yeah, here, here's why. Because Republicans suck, George, at actually controlling the narrative. <laughs> the Democrat, right? I mean, seriously, Democrats are great at it. The Democrats will come together, unite, get get their strategy. They'll lie, they'll spend, they'll do everything they can to, to own the narrative and sleep well at night. And right now, the Republicans are terrified that they, if the government shuts down, that the Republicans are going to own it. Why is that? Why are the Republicans pushing back and saying, no, that's BS. I'm not going to take that. It's the Democrats who own the narrative. We should be asking the Democrats, why would you allow the government to shut down to keep our borders open? That's what the narrative should be. Amen. That's a beautiful way to put it. Say that again one more time. Yeah, the, the Republicans should own the narrative and they should say to the Democrats, why would you allow the government to be shut down to keep our borders open? <laughs> that's the truth. Exactly, exactly. One of the other things that's been happening, which is very, very interesting down here in South Texas, is that uh, there are uh, the the uh, uh, liberal media and some liberal groups are now claiming that uh, car chases should be banned, that the uh, state troopers uh, should not chase the uh, human smugglers because yep. it's dangerous to everybody. Uh, Here we go. <laughs> I mean, really... Here, here we go again, right? Isn't this the look? I, I, I hate to, to go back to politics, but but you can't help because this is, this is just another uh, chapter out of the Democratic playbook across this country when it comes to crime, right? Just let it happen. Step back and let it go, right? So, right? Think about this. So, so you have the cartels that are working with smugglers, right? Both on the Mexican side and the U.S. side. And so, what that narrative is saying is then not only are no border agents on the front line because they're back in, in facilities doing administrative uh, paperwork to catch and release illegal aliens, but then when it comes to the illegal, the, the ones that are getting away and the smugglers that are smuggling drugs and criminals and security threats, they want them to just step aside and wave them on by, right? I mean, we might as well <laughs> pay the highway all the way from the Darien Gap through Mexico, through our border into a major metropolitan cities throughout the country, and just market the, the illegal alien drug smuggling highway. I mean, that's really what they're saying. <laughs> Incredible. Let me uh, let me ask you before we let you go. Tell sure. us about this um, this new uh, uh, group. Uh, an effort, information effort called Border 911. 
Yeah, uh, George, thanks for, for taking just a couple minutes to talk about. So th- this is the creation of another great patriot that you and I know well, Tom Holman, the former ICE director uh, under President Trump. And he has put together what I think is one of the strongest border security kind of experts um, that, that really exist in the country right now. So, you know, he's got himself. He's got Sarah Carter that's on there, Rodney Scott, the former chief of the United States Border Patrol, uh, Jason Jones, who former uh, Texas DPS guy that, that now is on the front lines of this doing some great work that's out there. Derek Maltz, former DEA executive uh, that, that's been out there just pounding the table with respect to the issue of fentanyl coming across the border, and of course me. And so what he's got together, and he calls it Border 911, and we were coming together to really continue to educate the American people and push a grassroots effort so that we can do everything we can to stop this administration from its continued policies that they're just generating the lawlessness, the chaos that's jeopardizing every aspect of our nation's safety and national security. And they can go and they can see us at border911.com. That's a website. Go there, check us out, and uh, you're going to be seeing a lot of us the next year. Excellent. Excellent. Once again, folks, border911.com. Mark, thank you very, very much, as usual, for taking time to be with us. We'll get, we've got to get you back on the show sometime again soon. Absolutely, you bet. Thanks, George. You got it. Once again, my friends, we've been speaking with our good friend, Mr. Mark Morgan, Senior Fellow at FAIR. Okay, folks, thank you very much for joining us today. That wraps up another show uh, for this Saturday, December the 9th, 2023. We want to welcome, we want to thank, should I say, our uh, uh, guests, Randy Clark, uh, Breitbart reporter, Chris Hayek, attorney with Immigration Reform Law Institute, Wade Miller, executive director for Citizens for Renewing America, and Mr. Mark Morgan, my very good friend, senior fellow at FAIR. Thank you. Uh, We want to thank them for joining us today. We also want to thank FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform, for making this show possible and for supporting us. Thank you very much, my friends, for joining us today. I hope that you will join us again next week. Tell your friends we have updates. We are the uh, most uh, updated, up-to-the-minute information uh, source uh, program in Texas regarding immigration reform, probably in the nation, but I don't want to say that, Uh, but definitely in Texas on immigration and the border crisis, my friends. So thank you very much for joining us. Till next time, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com